Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to another episode of Why Would You Tell Me That featuring me, Neil Delamere, and him, Dave Moore. And uh, we are proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. If you haven't listened to the show before, the podcast before, basically one of us, in this case Dave Moore, brings something to the table that the other person does not know. And uh, then in the second half is uh, backed up by an expert. By the way, if you want to get in touch, if you want us to cover something, I'm at Neil Delamere Comedy on Instagram. He's at Dave Today FM. And we are at Why Would You Tell Me That on Instagram. And we're on all the other socials. And wherever you listen to this, make sure you like and follow and subscribe and tell your friends. That's also a new thing we're inserting now. Tell your friends about the podcast because we want as many people as possible to listen to it. Yes, and if at a push, rent a van, kidnap someone, put them in the van, make them listen to the first series. You don't have to do that, but if you do do that, we will love you forever. We'll send you a t-shirt. Send you a t-shirt <laughs> and a ball gag. Listen. So plastic ties. It's a long story. David. What have you got for me today? You teased me in the last episode. Mm. Go on. So I claimed in the last episode that bad news for you, short arse Delamere. Hey. We are as tall as we're ever going to be. Hold on. I am absolute average height in several Asian countries. <laughs> <laughs> and awfully. I <laughs> know oh, so, you can't besmirch my county, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> no. So here's the thing. We're basically, this is it. Whatever fantasies James Cameron has of seven foot blue humanoids, it's just not going to happen. We are not going to develop into some kind of super tall race of humans. There's a ceiling. We're hitting it. We're slamming against it. That's it. We're done. Forget it. You're as tall as you're going to be. End. End of. Really? Stop. Oh, no, stop wearing Cuban heels. Forget <laughs> it. This is it. This is all that's going to ever happen. I mean, we have been growing in the last yep. while, but you, that, that's it. That's it. It's done. I'm telling you, it's done. this is it. This, we're not getting any bigger and we'll explore, explore why with one of the most qualified people we've ever had on the podcast before. Listen to this title. She is Erini Maruli. She is the Associate Professor of Computational Biology at the Queen Mary of London University. I'll see her and I'll raise you a jockey I met in the curry. <laughs> <laughs> 
And let's see who wins. <laughs> okay. Facts are someone who's really good in the back of a horse. Well, speaking of facts, let's talk facts first of all. Because I, I don't know about you, Neil. I've been obsessed with height for as long as I can remember. And I don't know why, because I am so... No, like normal height, as in uh, what I mean by height is like I don't mean I'm average height. That's you. I'm slightly above average. But what I mean is I'm above average <laughs> in the sense that like I'm six feet tall. Bang on. So I've never been like six three. I've never been five seven. I'm just kind of there. The height shouldn't matter to me. Well, no, you've never been six feet, but you have been five seven. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you grow in like like a plant, and you were five foot six one night as a child, and then suddenly woke up at six foot tall. Okay. I mean, I I fear that you're not qualified to ask our expert questions as. You you show a basic <laughs> lack of understanding of how the human body works. He's got a point. But what I, I suppose what I mean is my wife always slags me about how when I see a tall person, I'll elbow her and go, see the height of woman there? And she's like, what? Why is this important? And I'm like, Brezzy's coming over. Do you know how tall Brezzy is? Like, stop. Why are you obsessed with people? I don't know. I don't know why. I just am. I once met a man who was, uh, who's a, he's a comedian, and he was Kylie Minogue's bodyguard. Okay. And he was about six foot eight. Basically, how I would describe it as, he was so big, you don't get used to how big he is. Right. So you meet him and say hello, and then you're looking in another direction, you look across, and uh, you go, fuck, he's massive. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely massive. Yeah. One, I mean, six, three is big, but six, eight, six, nine, like the, the mountain Thor Bjornsson, the lad from, uh, from Iceland who played the mountain in Game of Thrones, six foot nine and built with it. Like, yeah. Let's start with some facts about height. Cause as I said, I'm just obsessed with it. You grow the most in your life in the first year of your life. So from birth to one, you'll put about 10 inches on. And then wow. never again will you increase in a year with that level of height. But that's your that's your massive growth spurt there. Also, if you ever want to measure yourself, and if you are at all worried about your height, and you'd wish it was a little bit taller, only measure yourself first thing in the morning. Because of the effects of gravity, I suppose. And you're lying down an uncompressed spine and everything. There you go. Neil, see, you know everything. You, the discs in your spine are not compressed when you, when you've laid down for a whole night's sleep and when you get up you're as tall as you're going to be and then gradually as the day goes on your sitting position gravity you're walking you are going to compress your spine down and you're going to shrink a little bit by bit now look it's it's not a, a you know a huge difference but it, you are going to be at your tallest first thing in the morning uh, also at your lightest if you're worried about your weight this has got a different discussion presumably then uh, astronauts come back taller than uh, when they left you would imagine without the pull of gravity and then the fact that their own body weight isn't pushing down on them, would they be taller? They'd be, maybe they'd, they would reach their maximum, if that makes sense, as right, opposed okay. to being taller, if you know what I mean. Now, interestingly, your height can affect a couple of things. Number one is your wealth. Oh, so, no, don't Yeah, that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But taller people, on average, make more money than shorter people. Now, look, this is compressing a big study into one headline, <laughs> right? But on average, a taller person will earn 700 euro more than a shorter person with the same qualifications in the same job. 700 euro per annum, I should say. So again, not a massive amount of money, but there is a predisposition to reward people based on height, which is absolutely not related to performance. For two people doing the same job with the same qualifications. And, and unrelated to height. It's not like they're the supermarket shelf stacker on yeah. the top shelf and you go, well, obviously I'm going to play Derek Moore because you can reach it without a stepladder, Paul. All I can say there now is, I'm sorry for Dermot Whelan. <laughs> because he's doing the same job as you. He and you just told me 
700 quid less. 700 quid less than I'm getting every single year. There's a height I don't know if I'd like to be, though. Like, okay. I remember I was at a wedding once with Devin Toner. Yeah. Who, if people know him, he's the Irish rugby player who's about 6'10". 6'10", yeah. Yeah, 6'10", yeah. 11. Well, and, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, he had to be kept in during the fireworks. Like... <laughs> <laughs> he's a light he's a lightning rod just walking around the place yeah yeah very yeah. dangerous for Devin. well here's the other thing though taller people do there are negatives to it british research in the 90s concluded that because taller people have more cells because there are literally more of them yeah they actually have more likelihood to develop cancer which of course is a cellular disease and in fact it's quite a high percentage 37 percent more likely to get cancer again these are i'm breaking these huge studies down into silly headlines but basically the taller you are there are more cells in your body and therefore there is a stronger chance of you developing something like cancer based on that wow i mean i'm not going to say much on that <laughs> I mean, there's, you know the lord giveth and the lord taketh you might earn 700 quid more but you know you're gonna have to spend it quicker but it sounds like things um, okay animals we love animals on this podcast yes giraffes the tallest living animal male giraffes can grow now prepare yourself for this because we all know they're tall like you know from looking at the documentaries you know from watching the madagascar movies they're tall okay they are tall it's their defining characteristic 18 feet tall is what a male giraffe can grow to 18 feet i have one fact about giraffes Okay. They sleep for 25 minutes a day, 25, 30 minutes a day. Did you know that? No. Imagine how bored you'd be if you were awake for 23 and a half hours a day. I think that's why they're so tall. They're like, is there something going on over there? Is there something? Like, I, I have a thing about giraffes. Like, okay. I, they're surely they're like, I, I don't even know why I'm awake for this long. Like, it's not like I hunt things. I eat leaves. Like, yeah. do you know how easy it is to sneak up on a tree? It's it's fairly easy. Like, none of us are going, don't look now, Clive, but I think that sycamore has spotted you. Just act natural. You don't want to spook them. It is harder being a cheetah than being a giraffe. 40%, I've saw a documentary, 40% of the time the cheetah chases the gazelle, it gets away. If right. 40% of the time the tree gets away, that is because the giraffe is not eating leaves. He's eating mushrooms at some point. And surely the giraffe is sitting there going, why am I this tall? Why, why am I this tall? And why am I awake for 23 and a half hours? Like, oh, I'm a prey animal. I have to stay awake tonight because I might be eaten by a lion. Even though the song is quite clear about the nocturnal activities of the lion. A wimp away, a wimp away, a wimp away. Why am I this tall? I, he can't sneak up at me. I'm t I can see for 25 miles. I look like a horse's fucked a lighthouse. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, you just got me on my one I, subject. I, I triggered you there. I triggered you there. <laughs> but this is, it has to be easier being a herbivore, right? Because you eat a fruit and then it passes through you and you scatter the seed somewhere and that helps the tree reproduce. Yeah. So yeah. trees want us to eat parts of them. That never happens to carnivores. Like a, a zebra never walks up to a lion and goes, Shut up, boy. Go on, Aslan. Knock yourself out. I'm on 20 vents in the hedges a day. The meat will be smoked. Go on. <laughs> if I didn't want you to eat a zebra, why would I look like I was already in a grill? Knock yourself out. I'm like a horsey humbug. <laughs> horsey humbug might be my favorite thing you've ever said. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if, if the giraffe triggers you, then I'm worried. <laughs> I don't want to tell you about the tallest animal that's ever lived. Oh, no. Go on. 
Okay. They probably Ro- sleep a reasonable amount of time, so I'm okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what their sleeping patterns are. Obviously a dinosaur, okay? A lot of people will guess Brontosaurus, Diplodocus, all these kind of, you know, yeah, sure, it looks like them. But it's actually called Sauroposeidon, which is an absolutely brilliant name. That's fact, very cool. If I was to form a band now, I think Sauroposeidon might well be the name of the band. The tallest animal that's ever lived was, this is ridiculous, it actually sounds unbelievable, was 55 feet tall. Neil, <laughs> like everyone in the world, surely, who's listening to this podcast can, can understand a two-story house. Wherever you live, even you, you, you've surely you've seen a two-story house. So it's got a downstairs, an upstairs, and a pitched roof. That height, five. Five of them, five of those houses stacked atop of each other is 55 feet. Like, <laughs> oh my God. What did they eat? Clouds. What did they? <laughs> what? The dreams, the dreams of other shorter dinosaurs <laughs> as they floated up into the ether. <laughs> 700 euros worth. Um, they were actually, you know what they were? They were the only animal to ever prey on pterodactyl. <laughs> they would just <laughs> fly by their mouths and get eaten up. Well, you'd have to think a pterodactyl was like, we're pretty safe here, lads. Like, we're just nobody. Now, where's Derek gone? <laughs> He's gone. Sarah Poseidon got him. Uh, yeah, do we know why? They were, do we know why they were that tall? Or they probably looked like I suppose giraffes, did they? And then they're, they're, yeah, well, they're those the standard uh, that standard tall well, dinosaur like shape of yeah. yeah, which has the huge long neck, the body. But but in fairness, most of those dinosaurs are actually measured in length. So ah. it's when you talk about the brontosaurus, like they were super long animals, long. But, but their legs weren't that long. This guy was fifty five feet tall. Like so, you're talking about his legs being absolutely huge, his body uh, like dwarfing a brontosaurus, and then add the neck in on top of his well. Yeah. Fifty five feet is just an insane height and a massive heart because giraffes have massive hearts because they have they to do. pump they, they have to pump the blood all the way up to the head. Ooh, interesting giraffe thing I just remembered. So you know the way if you were to hang upside down off a door frame or something, yeah. you'd probably end up making a funny YouTube video because you'd fall off the uh, the pull-up bar thing that you've put up. But anyway, if you were to hang upside down, all the blood rushes to your head. Giraffes, when they need to drink water, they splay their legs, yeah, and then they bring their neck right down, and they drink the water. But when their neck is down, the potential is that the blood would rush to their head, causing them to feel wrecked when they're down and when they lift up their head they'd feel faint so what they actually have is they have a little valve that closes when their neck bends and doesn't allow a lot of blood to go down into the neck and head and therefore they don't get that kind of dizzy rushy feeling that you might get if you're upside down for a no long time no way they have a drinking valve they have a <laughs> widget they have a widget <laughs> in their neck yes that is proper why would you tell me that i'm giving well, you a gold star for that thank fact. you well actually on top of that they actually have very short necks. Okay, no. <laughs> Giraffes okay. have very short necks. You sound like a man uh, trying to convince a jury of a compensation claim. <laughs> My client, the reason he is wearing that neck brace is because now he actually has a very short neck. He no. used to be a giraffe, but okay, you're going to tell me that that's not part, that's not their neck or something? No, I am. It is their neck. Proportional to their size, their neck is actually short. And for example, think about a zebra, a horse, a cow. My dog. When, your dog. When they walk to a watering hole or when they drink their water, they don't, their legs stay the same, their neck goes down and they drink the water. Yeah. A giraffe has to splay its legs because its neck isn't long enough for it to be able to get its head down to the water. Oh. So proportionally, it has a short neck. Yes. Okay. 
We love dogs, don't we? We do love dogs. You love your three-legged dog. I do, and it does have quite a long neck, yes. Yes, 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 a lot of does. Well, the tallest dog ever is a dog called Zeus. Uh, Zeus uh, lives in the UK, and he is, of course, a... Great Dane or Irish Wolfhound. Yes, the the Irish Wolfhound statistically is the tallest dog dog breed, and and biggest and tallest dog breed, but this Great Dane is the tallest dog that we've ever measured. So again, they measure to the shoulder, so it doesn't really sound very impressive. Like, three and a half feet. So you kind of go, is that tall? And then you see the dog and you're like, oh, mother of God, it's so tall for a dog. However, when Zeus, is the name of the dog, stands on his hind legs yeah. and goes up, he is over seven feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> he is so massive. Jesus Christ, what sort of Scooby-Doo fever dream is that dog if you saw him coming at you on his hind legs? Imagine. You couldn't teach that dog to beg. It scared no. the shit out of everybody. <laughs> Apparently, he eats. Have you ever seen the dog scoops of dog food? Right, so they're like, yeah. so you 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 get them, and like you get, they're usually you, they're like a basically like a, a jug, right? And the idea of the jug is is that depending on the size of your dog, it has a mark on it of how much you should fill the jug to pour in. But even the biggest dogs get like three quarters of the jug. Yeah. Twelve, twelve jugs a day. <laughs> Zeus eats. 12 jugs of dog food a day. At least he's called Zooks in fairness. Like, yeah. like that, that is commensurate with his stature. You couldn't call a dog that was over seven feet tall. Like, what would you call it? <laughs> you couldn't call it like Barry or... Um, Barry. <laughs> I don't think you should call a dog Barry no matter what. <laughs> I think Barry's an excellent name for a dog. Zeus is a good name. When Zeus sits on a, a sofa, a human sofa... He can put his arse on the sofa, but his yeah. legs are still on the ground. His front legs are still on the ground. It's not that oh, I'm worried about. It's the fact that his owner's head is in the ceiling. It's when <laughs> he flaps down. You'd have to counterweight the, the opposite end of the, the sofa of the sofa <laughs> from Zeus. Wow. Um, That's a lifestyle choice. A dog like that is a lifestyle choice. You have to kind of love a great day like that, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, they're massive. They're unbelievable things. Um, then I want to tell you about an amazing human being. And actually, the funny enough, the person my... 10-year-old son is most obsessed with in the world and has been most obsessed with for about four or five years now. I don't know why. Maybe he's just taken after his dad to a more extreme level. He is the tallest man who's ever lived. And a lot of people might know his name. He's Robert Pershing Wadlow. Robert Wadlow is his name. He died, unfortunately, at the age of 22. But he was 8 foot 11 when he died. He was 32 stone or 200 kilos in new money. And he wasn't stopping growing. That was my question was going to be that. I didn't realize because I had an old Guinness Book of Records, as it was mm. called at the time. And he was very much front and center of that. Yeah. I had no idea because he he kind of, in my head, almost dresses like WB Yeats, if you know what I mean. That oh, sort yeah. Of well, it was, it was the early 1900s when he, he was born, I think, in... Um, he was born in 1918, possibly, I think, in 1918. Uh, so, yeah, so dressed in, I suppose, that obviously, the, we've got the black and white photos of him. Yeah, exactly, the three-piece three suit. Only 22. Shirt. Only 22. So he, he wasn't finished growing at 22. In fact, he probably never would have stopped because he had a pituitary gland problem. It was, it was overly active. Um, there's, a, there's a complicated medical word for it. There's hypertrophy and other words around it, but whatever. But basically, his pituitary gland was producing um, abnormal amounts of growth hormone. And so he just never would have stopped growing until he would have gotten either an operation or been given some treatment. But at the, at the time, in the early 1900s, there was none. There was no understanding of this. So here are a couple of benchmarks, okay? So taller than his father, 
when he was eight. Eight? Eight years old. And again, I have twin daughters who are just about eight. And they are, so they would now be more than six feet tall at that age, if that's, if that was it. He was seven foot four when he was 13. Yeah. I mean, surely at that stage, they knew that he was going to be, they, they knew that there was a pituitary issue. You would have thought. Listen, I don't know when they diagnosed it, but they absolutely knew this was, but they just didn't have the medical wherewithal to combat it in any way. He is the tallest ever teenager. At 17 years old, he was eight feet tall. No one has ever been that height. And the Simpsons made a kind of a joke of this at some stage in one of their episodes where a really tall guy got into a car, sat in the rear seat and drove the car. But that's how he traveled as a passenger. They would take the front passenger seat out of a car and put him into the rear seat. It was the only way that he could fit in and have his legs be in any way comfortable. So, I mean, he lived... He lived a relatively normal life up to a point. Like he went to school and he was going to go to university. In fact, he enrolled at the, I think it's called the Shirtliff College in Illinois, where he was from in 1936 to study law. But what happened was at the time, just before he went to, to college, he was offered a part in the Ringlings Circus. And he was like, I don't know if I'll do this. But they said to him, if you join us, we will get you shoes. And I know the sounds hilarious, but this was such a massive deal to him. So he was shoe size 36. 36? 36. Okay. Wow. And each pair of shoes that he needed to get custom made for him in 1930, 1940, and whatever it was when he was alive, cost $1,500. Now, of today's money, I mean. So to him, to buy a pair of shoes was 1500 quid. I'd say he terrified cattle. I'd say if he was just walking down the street, they'd be like keeping the calves away from him because presumably size 36, one calf is basically a shoe. Well, he actually ended up working with a shoe company called the International Shoe Company and he was paid in shoes. So what happened was he would go around on a promotional tour. I think he did 41 of the 50 states and they would actually, in each shop, in one of the cities, they would give each shop a size 36 Robert Wadlow shoe to display in their window. Wow. And say, world's tallest man, shoe, this is what he does, and hit the shoes that he trusts are in this store here. Made an absolute mint for this international shoe company, and Robert was paid in shoes, which in fairness was good because, like, he, you know, he he needed shoes and money was not uh, going to stretch to 1,500 quid at a time. He's also the owner of the world's biggest ever pair of hands. I assume they were his own hands. <laughs> I mean, if you branched off and you told me, and it was a weird thing, he used to co- collect other people's hands. It's just a strange thing he did. Strange quirk. Yeah. Something to do with his height. No. So if you're listening to this and you have time, you can even hit pause now if you need to. Go and get a measuring tape or a ruler, okay? And measure from the, the bottom of your wrist to the top of your ring finger, okay? Yeah. Mine is about... Just, I'd say just over six inches. I've got pretty small hands for a man of my size. That's not your ring finger. No, not sorry, not ring finger, middle finger. Sorry, yeah. sorry. So from the bottom have, of your Have you your been wrist, flipping the bird wrong all these years? <laughs> I've been giving everyone this third <laughs> some, finger all the time. Some guy, some guy cut me off in traffic and then just waved his ring finger at me. What <laughs> a weirdo. Like, I don't care if you're married or not. <laughs> um, so anyway, mine's about six inches. Yeah. His hand from the bottom of his wrist to the top of his ring finger was mm. more than a foot was more than 12 inches. So presumably if you went to, say, an American sports event, you know, where they have the big foam hands, <laughs> yeah. he just 
has his hand. He has his own hand. Just, okay. just waving with just one finger up going, yay. Um, so like we said, nowadays what probably would have happened was he would have either had a medical procedure to decrease the rate at which his pituitary gland was making human growth hormone, or he would have had some hormone therapy that would have, you know, through medicine would have reduced the amount of human growth hormone. But they just weren't confident enough to operate on him or to give him anything. So you you said that he had a, a normal life and uh, um, uh, up until the age of 22. The, the sad question is, did he die of something that was related to his height? Yeah, he did. And and look, I don't think I don't think someone who's that tall, I suppose, could ever live what we call we'll call a normal life. I mean, Lifespan, yeah. he, he talked about but even just on a day to day basis, he talked about going at one point to I think it was it was one of the one of the big cities. It might have been Pennsylvania. It might have been Philly. Anyway, he went somewhere and he went to he ended up in so it's it's a pop much more populated area than Illinois where he was from. And when he got there, he just said he was surrounded by people. Like people just could not take their eyes off, inverted commas, the freak. So he just found places like that quite uncomfortable. And obviously then by joining the circus, at least he felt like I have a role and a purpose to my height. Yeah. And he was asked at one point if all of the kind of um, staring ever bothered him. And he said, no, I just overlook all those people, which I thought was quite a witty <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, he did. He died at the age of 22. And the reason he died was from a, uh, a septic blister, which was on his ankle because he was fitted with braces to try and help support his huge body weight. Even though he was eight foot 11, even though he was obviously one of the biggest humans ever lived, he walked with canes. His legs were really not able to support his full body weight, which at this point, as I said, was 200 kilos. And he had braces fitted to his leg. This one was poorly fitted. It gave him a blister on his right ankle. And it was only a week before that he got fitted for this, but the blister got septic and he died of septicemia, age 22. And that was the end of the tallest man that has ever lived. Wow. That is proper. Why would you tell me that territory? I didn't know the interesting story of him. All I had was was the picture of him in my mind from the Guinness Book of Records and uh, his height. It's nice to see him as a rounded person. Um, but look, that's Robert Wadlow. That is my take on height, human height, and height of animals, and height of all that stuff that I love. But in part two, we're going to dive deep into height. We're going to answer the question, are we as tall as we're ever going to be. And we'll do that with the Associate Professor of Computational Biology from the Queen Mary University in London, Irene Maruli, going to join us in part two in a sec. And hopefully we get into those giraffe bastards as well. (laughs) Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by BlueBotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. Welcome back to part two of Why Would You Tell Me That? And we are joined now by the Associate Professor of Computational Biology in Queen Mary University, London. It is Erini Maruli. Erini, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? We're very good. I'm very excited to talk about this topic because I don't know why. I was saying to Neil in the first part, I've always been kind of obsessed by height. I suppose I'm lucky enough that I'm I'm six feet. I'm 182 centimeters tall. So <laughs> it's never been a, a thing where I'm not so tall that it's I'm one of the tall people and I'm not so short that it seems like I'm kind of obsessed because I'm a little bit shorter than everyone else. But I just, I don't know, I've always been obsessed with tall people and tall things. Yeah, height is quite uh, fascinating and it's quite interesting to start discussing, I guess, um, how has height changed throughout the years. It's quite interesting if we could go back and observe how is height the last around 2,000 years. So we could say that based on evidence from skeletal remains, height has stayed fairly steady. And it has been around 5.3 feet for females and 5.7 feet for males. But obviously, skeletal remains can be subject to error with respect to the estimated height and the time period. But what is particularly interesting is that we observe the last 200 to 100 years that humans have started growing <laughs> quite tall. And we could say that is like a, more of a record speed that is happening. So over the past two centuries, height has increased and we could attribute that uh, to different reasons. Two main reasons could be health and nutrition that have significantly changed. Okay, so we've become healthier, particularly in the last 200 years, and we're eating better. So it makes sense that we have the potential to grow taller. Absolutely, uh, because that comes down to better healthcare. So there is better sanitization, water purification, better waste management. And so nutrition has improved, access to animal protein. And obviously, we could actually add to that something that is interlinked quite well. Uh, socioeconomic status could be income and generally 
living standards. And that has as a result that the global mean of height for females went from almost uh, 1.5 meters to 1.6 and for males from 1.62 to more than 1.7. Wow, that's a lot. Irini, I do have to ask, Dave was really sure in part one that this is as tall as we are going to get. Is he right? Is this as tall as we're going to get? Oh, that's a great point and uh, quite interesting aspect for quite a lot of discussion. So we would say that average human height is most probably close to the genetic limit. Obviously, there are quite open questions whether if you manipulate, change these genes, uh, what might be happened? Can you get a little bit uh, more taller? But that goes back to gene editing and other stories. But there are quite a lot of theories as well if we consider that an upper limit would go up to 9 feet, 2.7 or so meters, in order to actually and regularly produce people above 9 feet, that would need a different type of shape in order to accommodate that. Even if we could solve the bone and muscle strength problem, there will be a lot of other issues. The organs, for example, the internal organs, would ultimately all need to change in order to accommodate such an increased height. And um, you would say, oh, there are so many other animals that are much taller than humans, obviously, but they have a much different internal landscape, if you like. So if we would consider that this upper limit could go beyond what we see now, that would most probably require a different type of shape, if you like, and internal manifestations. From an evolutionary point of view, there doesn't make much sense to, to get that big. You know, I, I know we're, we're still working off a framework that is suited to the Serengeti thousands and thousands of years ago. Like you need a bigger engine, you need more calories, you need, you know, why make your life more complicated as a human? So we kind of, it sounds like you're suggesting, if I'm putting words in your mouth, but we'd have to deliberately kind of go after nine feet tall rather than it happening from an evolutionary point of view. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, it seems that there are limitations to go beyond that. So it's ultimately that if we consider that our environment with respect to nutrition um, and health are quite optimal now, it seems that we have reached some kind of ceiling because going beyond that would need ultimately to go above the genetic blueprint that we might have. But ultimately we might not know, could be a wait-and-see games and potentially in the hundreds or thousands of years from now, the new humans might be something very, very different from what we know now and be a different reality. Well, I think even if, as you you were saying earlier on, I mean, in the last 200 years, we have grown so much in comparison to our ancestors that I'm sure 200 years ago, if scientists were able to understand genes and genomes and DNA and all those things, they would have said, you know, well, maybe we're at our optimal height when men are 1.6 meters and now all of a sudden men are over 1.7. And we spoke in part one about a chap called Robert Wadlow, who is the tallest man has ever lived, eight foot 11 when he died. But I mean, as you said, the physicality of Robert, it was almost like his body wasn't able to cope with the height that he had grown to. And the point you're making is that if we were to end up in a situation where nine feet tall humans or even eight feet tall humans were regular, 
we would absolutely have to completely change the way we are built. Presumably, we'd have to be a lot wider. And then internally, we'd have to change completely. But our current body shape is pretty well balanced. That's um, absolutely right. And if you could, we could go and get another example from history, if you like, and we consider homo neanderthalensis, we could see that Neanderthals were quite shorter, but mm. that could actually be an evolutionary advantage, as you were mentioning previously, that ultimately uh, that helped them to stay warm, allowing them to survive in any environment, let's say Ice Age or so on, and they actually kept going and stayed there. So it's quite a lot linked with the environment and the optimal height, if you like, or any type of biological adaptation. It's not necessarily always the same depending on where you are on the planet. There is diversity across the planet and also the optimal and the ceiling that uh, different populations, depending on diverse ancestry that they might be representing, they might not be able ultimately to reach the same height as a diverse ancestry. So environment, circumstances, ancestry, genes, uh, play Let's talk about the Dutch as a nation, because uh, the Dutch are officially the tallest nation in the world. Dutch men and Latvian women maybe are, are, are the two genders, but as a general population, the Dutch are the tallest. Why? Like, why does it happen in one particular country, in one particular area? Why are Northern Europeans taller? What's mm -hmm. the logic here? Based on the largest study, as you mentioned, uh, retrospectively in the last um, hundred years or so, Latvian women and Dutch men uh, are supposed to be uh, the tallest on the planet. And an adult male would be around six feet and a female would be around 5.6 or so feet. And that's uh, 19 centimeters uh, taller uh, compared to their counterparts in mid-19th century, and that's quite a lot. 19 centimeters, that's huge. <laughs> there are some theories that are actually supporting that the Dutch growth, if you like, might be a kind of evolution that is happening live now, this evolution in action. Um, th there have been some studies um, suggesting that that different aspects that might have contributed to that. And one goes close to reproduction. For example, um, this uh, theory from Stalp et al. in 2015, they were suggesting that the average Dutch women had higher fertility compared to, let's say, shorter and taller. But taller men were ultimately the ones that had the higher fertility compared to shorter men. So that actually suggested the type of natural selection that might have happened. And if that happened on the Dutch population, that would potentially have helped Dutch toward, towards taller heights. But that's quite complex. So the theory in summary suggests this type of complex relationship between uh, height and the reproductive uh, success. And these, these findings are suggestive of selection in height, but also it's quite in line with genetic evidence, uh, with general selection um, that has happened in Northern Europe. But up to now, uh, to my knowledge, it doesn't seem to have evidence for a natural selection on that. I think it's because Holland is primarily below sea level and the Dutch have deliberately evolved to be taller because the sea level is going to rise 
and they need to breathe. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I'm not a geneticist, but I'm just putting that theory out there and I'm going to be on Fox News explaining my workings <laughs> next week. That's a great point. And we could say that this um, ob- observation, and in science we do quite a lot of observational and epidemiological <laughs> studies, and they are out there, but doesn't necessarily mean that it's a causal relationship. So <laughs> but we can't necessarily know. So You're very polite, Irini, for not calling me a complete idiot for suggesting something like that. It's it's an observation. It's ultimately but that goes but that's how um in science we, we, we start with observations and we see as the example that you mentioned, that's something that is an observation. It could make some type of um sense if putting the, the these observations down but then <laughs> putting the causal relationship it might be harder and sometimes when we see an example of an observation that it might be more obvious that it's not true we can more easily take <laughs> it really is complex and you mentioned the thyroid and i know you've done a lot of work in that field but in relation to height there's these formulae of you know you, the, the difference between the height of your mother and your father and you you take an average of that and subtract four inches and it's all very complicated or whatever. But ultimately, there don't seem to be huge advantages to either being much taller or much shorter than the mean. Would that be right? Um, it's actually how we usually call it is there is evidence of this type of effects, if you like. And, that, that, and the issue is that it doesn't necessarily mean that someone who is X centimeters taller from the average because because it, the difficulty is to take something from the model, the statistical analysis, if you like, and put it back to the individual. Because when you, you, you see something and you get an estimation in the population, then when you go back to the individual, that might not be applying to them because their underlying genetics, manifestations, biological pathways might be quite more complicated, if you like, to have this direct effect. So benefits, I wouldn't put it in a, with respect to cost and benefit, is that is a very, I think height is a very good illustration to show how the same direction of, okay, you are taller, might have uh, advantageous or negative manifestations towards different aspects of other traits or other diseases. You need a degree in genetics to uh, to basically determine whether or not height is good or bad. Is what it seems like. <laughs> I really want to ask you a personal question, Irene. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. How tall are you? Are you like I have? I have a vision that you're going to stand up from this interview <laughs> and be like seven and a half feet tall, and then I'll go. That's why she was studying height. That's <laughs> that's why. <laughs> I wouldn't say that uh, that that was the particular reason. Uh, I find height quite interesting. is a very very interesting uh, model trait, and um, we have learned a lot throughout the years, and we have definitely more to learn towards that. So uh, I'm not in any uh, particular uh, Guinness record regarding my <laughs> height towards either direction. Um, you are a healthy height, basically, yeah. <laughs> Put all of your years and years of study together and listen to this question I got from my friend Niall Brezzy Breslin, who lots of people listen to this will know, is a man who is six foot six 
Yeah, he's got an amazing podcast, by the way, called Where's My Mind? You should all listen to this. But Niall has a question for you, Irini, so have a listen here. The question I want to ask your expert would be, I am six foot six, and I still can't slam dunk. And it's just been really difficult to get my head around. So can you explain to me why I can't slam dunk a 10-foot ring when my arm span brings me up to about eight and a half feet? Like, I can't jump one and a half feet. Is there something genetic about that? <laughs> oh, so have they, uh, they, they have tried and they can't. Tried and failed. Uh, maybe <laughs> more practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing genetic, just not enough practice, Niall. He was also a very, very good rugby player. He played for Leinster. I can see why he chose music, because he's clearly terrible in a line-out, Dave. If he can't slam dunk, if he can't, he can't jump a foot and a half. Jump a foot and a half up in the air. <laughs> uh, but actually, there are also different things that we can um, explore. It's not only the total height. We explore also total uh, like sitting height So mm-hmm. there, uh, or the ratio between different like sitting height or different parts of uh, uh, height in our body. So potentially difference, and there is there are genetic components affecting these as well. So potentially there could be another underlying predisposition uh, towards that direction. But when we talk about adult height is that uh, the Total, but then how that breaks down in different parts of our body, that is also a different story, if you like. Yeah. White men can't jump was originally called West Mead men can't jump, Dave. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Irini, thank you so much for joining us today and filling us in. And it's such a fascinating and very measurable thing that we all know about everybody around us. We know how tall someone is, we know how tall our friends are, we know how tall movie stars are. It's something we are obsessed with as a society, but it is so complex. And the result of so much genetic and environmental factors. It's just fascinating to explore it with you. Thank you so much for talking to us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, welcome back to part three of Why Would You Tell Me That? So, Neil Delamere, do you feel elevated or do you feel deflated after our discussions on height? Um, I think I can see why Irene studies it. It seems to be so, it, first of all, it seems to be something you can study and then it seems to be so interconnected with everything else. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is fascinating. And like you say in part one, it's one of those things that you do notice about, about people at the very yeah. start. I always wonder if we notice something about somebody at the very start, there's a genetic reason for that. There's a reason that we kind of, you know, they jump into our heads like that. So, yeah, fascinating stuff. Basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get CRISPR gene editing technology if I want to get to nine feet, is what you're saying. <laughs> Most definitely. You're going to have to get better stuff than you've got right now. But that's the thing, I suppose. If you think about it, if you describe anybody, you know, you'll begin with maybe their hair color, but pretty soon afterwards, you'll start and you'll go tall, mm. short, six foot, five foot six, whatever it would be. Like it's it's a key defining factor on how we kind of interact with the world and with the general population around us. You know, the the height is such such an important characteristic. And as Arena is pointing out, it's actually such an amazing model trait. So again, this is genetics, which is far beyond uh, the, the can of myself and Neil and probably most of us listening. But the fact that it can be an indicator for so many things and understanding height can help us understand so many more 
bits of genetics yeah. and DNA and everything. I mean, the question we didn't get to ask her was, did, did she have the height for the guards? Which is the, <laughs> which is the main thing. I mean, that people were obsessed with when we, when we were growing up. He has the height for the guards. Well, it's all, of course, that's all gone nowadays. People won't even remember that because now there's no height. Yeah, yeah. There used to be, if, if you're an international listener, to get into the police force here, you had to be five foot nine, I think, as a man, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I just thought, yeah, fascinating, fascinating subject. Well, thank you very much. But uh, the focus now shifts to you because the next episode will be yours. What have you got for us? Well, it's happened, Dave. I have secured the dent. What? Susie Dent from Countdown is going to come on this show and tell us about words that are fascinating and why we speak English the way we do. Boom! You've got Susie Dent coming on this podcast for real. I thought he was messing. I thought maybe I saw him on the telly in Countdown. He actually did it. I wasn't sure if he was ever going to get her on the podcast. But I have Susie Dent stroke the finest Susie Dent impersonator in her price range coming on the show next week. No, it's the genuine... <laughs> The genuine article. Wow, I cannot wait. Everybody, this is going to be amazing. If you have a question about a word, get it into us. We're on Instagram at Neil Delamar Comedy at Dave.fm at Why Would You Tell Me That? Susie Dent on this podcast next week. Oh my God. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more.